You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. I regret that I'm in required meetings that take me away from Bethel's chapel today. But I'm there in spirit to support Coletta in the great work that she does. Please know that she and I share a deep desire that every student feels they belong and that they have a supporting community. Now that's a lofty goal since even families of five struggle with supporting each other. And we have a family of 1,300. But you know, I've watched you all and I know the love you express for this campus and for each other. I love that your diversity is one of the rich experiences we all share and we love it. I encourage you to lean in for the years that you're at Bethel, lean into this and be a part of the effort to make this a comfortable place for every student, every race, every ethnicity that chooses a campus like Bethel focused on Christ. Let's together make Bethel feel different than any other community. There's a verse in the Bible, John 13, 35, that says, if you love each other, everyone will know that you follow Christ. Let's be that campus. Gracias, Barb. Buenos dias, Bethel. Yes, como están? Uh, me llamo Coletta. Uh, is Nan Profe here? Maybe she'll give me a punto. Maybe she'll give me a punto de brownie for greeting you guys in Spanish. Um, let's see, um, bon dia, yes, um, bonjour, yay, um, bravo, kakosi, all right, um, huyamora, huhandit, yay, all right, saumbona, sambunani, yu, and I greet you from, um, one of my home countries, South Africa, I say, Dumelang Balsaloani, que la dume dice Calebizo de Jesu Cristo. Good morning, people of God. I greet you in the name of Jesus. I had the privilege to spend 12 years of my life in South Africa. And when I went, I didn't know anything about the people of South Africa, the languages there. I was a complete fish out of water, right? I spent a lot of time stretching myself. I couldn't tell the difference between a grocery store or a clothing shop or a bank because they all had names that I was unfamiliar with, right? So um, when I was in worship services, I'd be reading words and I didn't understand them. I didn't know all the rhythms. And it took intentionality for me over a long period of time to show up in someone else's normal, right? Because we all have some kind of cultural norm and when we take the opportunity to say, I'm going to stretch myself into someone else's normal, eh, it can take a while. Any of our international students or someone who spent six months or more overseas can probably attest to, after a while, you can start to feel like the new culture that you're in can feel like, oh, I'm starting to understand what's going on. But man, when you get, I remember I was in a worship service about two years in, and they were in, it was in English. 
And I'm telling you, I had learned to love the songs of South Africa, but getting in the space of my home language, I was like, yes, this is my people. We have our songs. I understand this. I could be me. I said, these are the gifts that we bring. And if you've had that experience, you know how great it can be to taste a food you haven't tasted in a while, to hear your home language. That's why we greet sometimes. It's like, yeah, that's what we say. It touches something deep in our heart, right? But it took intentionality for me to be willing to cross into a different culture and community, to spend some time of my life to be shaped and formed. Ten years later when I was in South Africa, I had this experience where I was driving in the car and a song came on in Sutu and the Holy Spirit just kind of fell in the car. I started crying. I actually had to pull over so I wouldn't get in an accident. And after I had this really amazing encounter with the divine, I told God, thank you so much for the Sutu people for the songs that they made about you. Because if I hadn't known about them, come to South Africa, I would have missed out on this opportunity to engage with you in this way. So there's such a gift that we all bring to the table from our different languages, peoples, and cultures. There's a lot of people in the world doing work around D, E, and I. Have you guys heard this terminology before? Anyone? Hands up. Yes, kind of. Now, I know it can cause a lot of what would I, what I use with my son who's six? Big emotions, right? Sometimes it's put out there as a controversial thing. There's a lot of ideas. People say we shouldn't talk about diversity because it causes division. So on our campus, we talk about, why do we talk about racism? Why do we talk about diversity? Why do we have everyone take a foreign language? We wanted to create an opportunity here today to actually hear from us, why do we engage in this work on campus? What is our invitation to you? And so we're going to spend the next 15 minutes or so talking about that. Sound good? Are we up for it? All right. So there's lots of motivations why people do DEI work in our country and in the world. But for believers, for people who follow Christ, there's some particular motivations that we want to share with you today. The first one comes from Genesis 1, 6 26 and 27, and it says, I think we're going to put it up on the screen, and if not, it's okay. It says, in my likeness, I created them. In the image of God, I created them. Male and female, I created them. We get this concept called the imago Dei, which is Latin for image of God. And we understand, as believers, that people have worth, value, and dignity because they were created in the image of God. Now, at this point in the story... God is spirit, right? So are we, do we look like God because of our bodies, our hands, our legs? No, God is an internal spirit, and we have eternal spirits. We can reason and think. We can problem solve and create. We can, what's the other one that's so good? Mm, ah, we can love and have relationships. This is what distinguishes human beings from other created things like plants and animals, right? So we're created in the image of God because we reflect these kinds of things. And so we understand as believers, when we see someone not being valued, having the dignity and worth that they should, we say, that's unjust. And we want to be part of correcting that in the society. Okay, maybe say, Coletta, okay, so I can see as Christians... We understand that God made people, and so that's why they have value, worth, and dignity. But I don't believe you when you say, as Christians, we should be partaking in justice, right? Isn't that a political thing or a social thing? So I want to take you into a story in Scripture. It's 
really partly why I show up in the ways that I do, why I participate in the story of God that I do. And it's part of the story of what we're doing here at Bethel. So God made man in his image, Woo-hoo! and he said it was very good, right? And then people start living, and things go wrong, right? They start killing each other, they're stealing, they're breaking relationships, right? There's all this mess, and God's like, this is not what I intended human beings to experience. This is not the kind of societies that I had in my heart's design for them. So he says, I've got to make a plan to fix this. So he sets out, and he finds a man named Abraham. You guys remember Father Abraham? Had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. Okay, we all know that song, right? So we've got Father Abraham, right? And what we do is we have God giving him an invitation. He says, look, you've got a heart for me, and you're willing to be shaped and formed. You've picked up all this stuff from all these other cultures, right? ways of building societies, existing with each other. Will you be willing to let me tell you what I want this to look like? And will you model that in society? Abraham says yes. He goes, I'm on. What do we do, God? What are we going to do? He goes, I want you to have a lot of babies, and I want you to teach them and everyone in your household to keep the ways of the Lord by doing tzedakah. Now, this is a Hebrew word, and in English, we don't have a direct translation. So we have to use two words often. And the two words are righteousness and justice. Sometimes in the Bible it's translated just as justice. Sometimes it's translated just as righteousness. But we see in in Genesis 18, 19. I don't know if we have the scriptures. Anyway, if we don't, this is where we find God giving Abraham this call to teach your family the ways of the Lord. Keep the ways of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. By doing tzedakah. Now, not just knowing tzedakah, not just understanding it, by doing it. Because what's his plan? He's like, I got to teach these human beings what it looks like. What did I intend for them? All these divisions that we have, we've got nations and people fighting against each other, warring against each other. Someone's got to model in the world what right relationship with God looks like, what right relationship between other peoples looks like, and what right relationship to creation looks like so that you guys can build the kind of communities I intended human beings to experience. So Abraham's down for the story, and he teaches them to do righteousness and justice. Okay, but why righteousness and justice? Why Siddiqah? There's so many biblical themes, right? Why not teach your people to practice shalom? Or why not teach them to have faith, Abraham? Teach them how to love. Teach them to have hope. Why righteousness and justice? Well, I think we find our answer in Psalm 89, where it says, righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. So we see the picture of a God who says, I'm going to make people to bear my image. They're going to be image bearers. And then I want those image bearers to create societies like the one my government, my throne, right? Because a throne, a king is a government. The way I order things, I want them to mirror and mimic that. So it makes sense why he would tell Abraham, if I want you to model for the world what it looks like, I want you to base it on what I've based it on, which is justice and righteousness. So this is why not only do we value human beings because they have inherent dignity, worth, and value, but why when we look in society and we see that something unjust is going on, 
when someone else is getting paid more for the same job just because someone is black or a woman, we say that's unjust. These are image bearers, and we need to fix these things in our society, right? It's why we talk to each other in certain ways and why we don't talk to each other in certain ways, because we find in Scripture all these ways of being in relationship that God says this is good for the human race and this is not. So this is why the Board of Trustees in, uh, you know, we've had a couple turbulent years, not only with COVID, but we've had a lot of unracial unrest in racial issues in our country. So why do we choose to talk about them on campus? Why do we have heritage months and cultural celebrations? Why do we teach in our classes? Why do we bring these topics up? Because we want to be about the story Christ is inviting us into. Now, Jesus didn't abandon the story when he came on the scene. He didn't say, well, that thing with Abraham didn't work out. What did he do? He said, I got to get more people who are willing to be part of this model. So he opened it up. So no longer is it just about Father Abraham and his sons, but we get to be one of them too. So as Americans, Ghanaians, Cambodians, we got to be part of the story. He said, if you have faith in me, you get to be part of this model that I'm forming in society so that when the world looks around and they say, how, do we, how should we do this? They should be able to look at the church and say, that's how relationship with God should be. This is how relationship across our divisions should be with each other. This is what it looks like to create a just and righteous society. Which brings me to this tension, this real tension that we have, where the church hasn't always shown up well. And a lot of people, especially in this generation, reject Christianity because we've shown up poorly. We haven't always got it right, just like the Israelites didn't get it right. Jesus didn't, God didn't give up on them, right? He goes, nope, I got to keep forming and shaping you. You didn't, you didn't do this right here. We're going to keep going, we're going to keep going. And he's still graciously working with us. Back in the 15th century, talk to your professors in the philosophy and religion department, my dates might be off. The church was debating over who could be part of the Imago Dei. People with pale skin said, we are, the, we are the carriers of the Imago Dei. And they thought people who were from Africa and Native Americans didn't even have a soul. It was a huge debate in church history. And then all these policies and practices were created where people over here said, we can enslave and disempower and exploit these people over here because we're the real image bearers. Now today in the church, across pretty much any denomination, the church rejects racism as a sin. But how did we get here? In this country, we fought an entire war around people over here that said, I look at scripture and I see that slavery is okay because some people bear God's image and some don't. And over here you had Christians say, no, we're looking at the same scriptures and these people have intellect, they have love, they have an eternal spirit, they are human beings, they are also image bearers. They are also do the same dignity and respect that other human beings are. And so God worked with us. So we're here today. So yes, it's a big call and we don't always get it right. But it's the invitation that he puts out to us. And it's the invitation that we put out as Bethel. So the board of trustees came up with a few statements. I'm going to read some expert excerpts from it um, about where we stand as a community. And now I've given you a little bit of the story behind why we make these kinds of statements. The Board of Trustees says, we endeavor to live up to our name, Bethel, the house of God, by fostering a climate and community of harmony with all humanity from every nation and every ethnicity and language. 
We reject all forms of racism, meaning any form of prejudice or discrimination. And because we understand that justice is a fundamental attribute of God's character, we believe that faith in Jesus has direct and immediate implications to stand against any corruptive force that marginalizes and degrades people. So on campus, we've got a diversity, equity, and inclusion council. We've got a racial incident committee. We've got heritage months that we celebrate. We, everyone has to take foreign language. There's things that we've put in place policy to say we want to choose to live into this story, to create the kind of community that can model what it looks like to be in right relationship with God and each other. But it's going to take more than just what we can do as an administration. The way that you guys show up every day matters. It matters to the kind of culture we're going to create on our campus. It matters the conversations that you have in your classrooms between faculty and students, between each other, how you navigate things happening in your dorms and in res life, who you sit with at lunch and how you show up at our games. All these interactions, we can choose to say, I want to step and walk into Jesus' story to be a model. And when I get it wrong, because we're going to get it wrong sometimes, I'm willing to stay on and allow God to form and shape me to be more like him. This is the invitation that we give to you. Not one that's political, not one that's social, but one that's kingdom. This is what our God is about, and he wants us to be about it as well. And so our invitation and all the events that we put out and things like that, we hope you join. But we want you to have a posture of learningness and openness. To learn about the history and what's gone wrong so we can actually think of creative things to do and solutions that will fix the actual problem. It's an invitation to a posture of continual learning instead of complacency. We want to invite you to a journey of spiritual formation, allowing God to form and shape how we see ourselves ethnically, culturally, and how we see other people, and therefore the kind of culture that we choose to create here on campus. There's a word um, that I'll leave you with um, from South Africa, and the word is saumbona. Um, if you've grown up in the church here at all, uh, or even in the United States society, you've probably heard this term colorblindness. It's pretty popular. And I think the intent of the word is to say, you know, we say, I don't see color. And we, I think people want to say, I don't want to treat anyone discriminatory based on the color of their skin or the language they speak or the nation that they're from. I think that's a good intent. I think sometimes, though, where we miss it is, that very statement puts up a wall of division, the very thing that you're trying to bridge. Now, because if, if you don't see, if you don't see my hair, I can't tell you how I do it, right? If you don't hear my accent, you might never ask where I'm from, right? So if we say we don't see it, it cuts and puts this thing between where we can't talk about actually our differences. And our differences are good because God formed and fashioned us, right, in our mother's wombs. He didn't make mistakes in how he made us or the countries he birthed us in. It's part of the story that we carry. How can we celebrate with our brother or sister when there's a food or a song or something is in the language that they know if we're not able to actually enter into the story with them? So what I'd like to give you is a different way to enter in. And the Zulu, Zulu is one of the tribes in South Africa, greeting is saumbona. Can you guys say it with me? Saumbona. Let me hear it louder. Saumbona. All right. It literally is translated, I see you. My husband and I think it should be the universal greeting for Christians. I see you. 
I see the story that you're walking in. I see the story of your people. I'm willing to learn the story so that I can see you better. I see that you're having a tough day. Not just hi, I'm passing by, but saumbona, I see you. So that's the journey that we want to invite, and I leave you with that today. That when we do our events, come out for salsa, we're going to have a good time. I've salsaed. I've salsaed. We're going to have a movie night. Enter into culture and enter in and lean into the hard places, not because it's just hard. It's part of the story that God is telling, and it's part of what we are inviting you to do. Can I bless you before we go? Let's go. Jesus, help us be people who are about what you're about. Help us to see and know when you're inviting us into your story, even if it's scary, even if we're going to make a mistake even if it's hard to trust again or to share again. Father, may we be people who are willing to say, yes, I'm willing to be shaped and formed by you so that I can be part of what the end of the story is in Revelation 7, 9, where every tribe, nation, and tongue is gathered around your throne singing. So we say, just as you taught us how to pray, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we see the end story is a multinational, multilingual, multi-ethnic family. Let it be done here at Bethel. And may each of us choose to be people to show up in the little things every day to form and shape that culture on campus. I bless you to make those choices and to say yes to God's invitation just as you have in mind. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.